0: Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, we're going to discuss Breast Cancer Awareness Month and learn how to help provide meals for Thanksgiving and Christmas for our veterans and their service members. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey.
1: According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, approximately 24 people per minute are victims of rape, physical violence, or stalking by intimate partner in the United States. That's more than 12 million women and men over the course of a year. Since 1981, October has been recognized as National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Domestic violence is a pattern of behavior used by one partner to maintain power and control over another partner in an intimate relationship. Anyone of any race, age, sexual orientation, religion, gender, or socioeconomic background can be a victim or perpetrator. Domestic violence varies from relationship to relationship and can happen in any form of physical, emotional, sexual, reproductive, financial, or digital abuse. If you or a loved one are experiencing any form of abuse, the National Domestic Violence Hotline will help victims find a path to safety. Visit www.thehotline.org or call 1-800-799-7233.
0: Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. So, I said at the open, we're going to talk about breast cancer awareness and screening event with the Minneapolis VA. And joining me now is Emma O'Brien. Uh, who is the Women Veterans Program Manager from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System, Emma? Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here,
0: Emma. You were on a while back, but we were talking about another topic, weren't we?
2: Yes, I believe we were talking about uh, Women's History Month.
0: Women's History Month, okay. And now you are, as I said, uh, the uh, Women Veterans Program Manager for the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. That's pretty important position, particularly with the uh, more and more women serving in the military.
2: Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty proud to hold this position, pretty honored to to do what I do to make sure that our women veterans are served across our medical uh, system and uh, that we make sure that that, that care is appropriate um, based on your gender and, and your age and, and your personal needs. So thank you.
0: And we've got a couple of things that you and I and Director Kelly talk about all the time. I know there's a new women's clinic going to be, it's supposed to be breaking ground this fall. I hope they are. And but, but right now, you've got a, a remodeled women's clinic inside the main uh, VA Medical center. correct?
2: We do. Yes. We have a, a women's clinic on the second floor of the medical center, and we will be breaking ground this spring. For the new Women's Center. Uh, so
0: let's push back just a little bit.
2: Just a little
0: bit. All yeah. right. Well, this time we better get it done. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I think all the the women veterans are going to be really happy when they've got their own building, their own entrance. They can come in and out and don't have to deal with all those old veterans, those old guys in the in the medical center.
2: It's a long-awaited, <laughs>
0: long-awaited. But project. For, but for our uh, women veterans that are listening to us, if you have any apprehension about going out to the Minneapolis VA Hospital, just when you're making your appointment, tell them about it. They'll have, they have volunteers, some red vests out there. They'll greet you at the door. They'll walk you to your appointments. They'll take care of you the whole way through, right? Absolutely. How important is that? Do a lot of the women veterans use that?
2: I think so. Yeah, I think we have a, a number of female veteran volunteers who wear those red vests. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, th- I think more and more women are saying they're feeling welcome. They're feeling recognized as female veterans. When they come to the medical center, so
0: which is good, and there's a lot of different clinics in that building, so it's kind of nice to have somebody show you around a little bit. So, that's...
2: yeah, yeah, most most uh, veteran women veterans aren't just seen in the second floor women's clinic. You know, they're seen all over the medical center and, and all the specialties and inpatient and uh, so high clinics and everything high cl- everywhere. Yep,
0: everywhere. Now, yeah. Emma, I want to get back to you. Uh, you spent a lot of time going to school.
2: Oh, <laughs> I did.
0: Yes. Can you walk us through that quick?
2: Thank you. Yeah, so I'm a nurse by background. I, I completed a Bachelor's of Science of Nursing at the University of Minnesota and returned there and did a Master's of Public Health in Maternal and Child Health. So I've spent my entire nursing career in women's health in a variety of settings uh, in the community, uh, inpatient and outpatient settings. So uh, it's been my my course of my career, so it's it's really a privilege to do this for, for women veterans.
0: So you've been kind of planning and, and going to school for this and preparing for this position ever since you started, so congratulations on, on being in that position and taking care of our, our lady veterans. Oh, thank you. This is Minnesota Military Radio, and we're talking about Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yama, uh, I wanted to come back to you. Uh, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And uh, I'm like one of those dumb old guys. I don't know much about it because nobody in my family's ever had that uh, disease or that problem. Can you tell us the importance of Breast Cancer Awareness Month? And are you talking to just the ladies or are you, are you talking to the guys too?
2: We're talking to the ladies and the guys about this. Uh, you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is exactly for that reason, to raise awareness and uh, education of what breast cancer is and, uh, you know, who should be screened. Um, and uh, one in eight women... Um, will be diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. Uh, about 1% of males are diagnosed with breast cancer, so it's not just a female issue. Uh, breast cancer is the most common cause of cancer in women and the second most common um, cause of cancer, deaths among um, women in the United States. So we know if we increase awareness and promote appropriate screening that we can detect, detect breast cancer early and and treat it successfully.
0: So early is better. Yes, now, I want to ask you this question is is the prevalence of breast cancer has that changed any over the last say ten twenty thirty years is it is it kind of level or, or has it gone up with uh, all of the pollution and things that happen or you don 't know
2: that's a great question i don't i don't know the exact answer to that I think we 're better um, than we ever have been at detecting breast cancer uh, you know we are able to use um, so many more technologies now so it 's not just mammography we use. Um, MRI, we use ultrasound um, to detect breast cancer. And, and so um, we hope that we're now detecting it if if more frequently um, earlier, also earlier so that we can treat it.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm going to ask you the, the guy question here because I'm a dumb guy. How would a guy know if he has breast cancer? You said it's, it's a very low uh, tendency to occur, but it, would you have a lump? Would you have some soreness? What, what I mean, guys, you know, how would they know
2: yeah that's that 's a great question because we don 't screen routinely, so screening when we talk about screening it 's um, doing imaging for for men or women um, who don 't have any symptoms right so it's it 's just a regular routine um, screening but if if a man or a woman has um, changes in their breasts, so lumps um, that they can feel or they can see changes in the skin, discharge from the nipple, um, we would want certainly want to Um, do some imaging and see if if there's cancer there. Also, um, men need to be aware of the genetic risk for breast cancer. So if they have a strong family history, um, their mother, their sisters, and certainly any any male history of breast cancer in the family, um, you should really um, have screening as a male in that case.
0: So what I'm hearing for is, is for us guys, a lot of guys, they get a pain or a lump, they just say it's nothing and let it go. Sooner is better. So if they have a lump, if they have something... Raise your hand, call your doctor, find out what it is, because the sooner you can get to it, the, the better chance you are of taking care of it. Exactly. And the women, on the other hand, are raised knowing about these type of issues. And I know in my family, the, the women in my family go in for routine breast cancer tests, test, and, I, and I think that's just an imaging test to see if there's anything to be worried about.
2: Exactly. Likely a, a yearly or every other year mammogram um, for most women of, of middle age and um, and, you know, we hope we don't find anything. But, of course, um, we always want to encourage women to be um, really self-aware of their breast health. And um, so e- if a woman would find a lump or a change to their breasts, we want them to to be seen even if they are up to date on that screening um, because breast cancer can um, develop quickly.
0: So once again, the sooner you, you report it and check it out, maybe it's nothing. Right. But if it is something, you've got a better chance to take care of it.
2: Exactly.
0: Is is age a factor in, in women's breast cancer? Do uh, just older ladies get it or do younger ladies get it?
2: Yeah. Uh, age is definitely a factor. Um, so we know that the risk of breast cancer increases with age, and that's related to uh, your lifetime exposure to estrogen, right? So, uh, you know, every woman has is exposed to estrogen um, as she ages and um, a natural part of um, being a woman, but um, but that increases your risk as you get older.
0: So the body's ability to take care of itself slows down a little bit, I think. And as the older you get, some of those things you have to you just have to check on more frequently and make sure you get it early.
2: Yeah, yep, exactly.
0: Okay. Well, Emma, it sounds to me like, once again, the women know more about this than the guys. But guys, if you got a problem out there, a lump, report it, get in, get it checked out. Emma, we're going to have to take a short break. When we come back, we've got a surprise guest that's going to join us. We're going to talk a little bit more about Breast Cancer Awareness Month with Emma O'Brien from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host Tom Lyons. We've been talking about Breast Cancer Awareness Month with Emma O'Brien, who is the Women Veterans Program Manager at the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. And Emma, I asked you a question in the first segment. And we we're trying to figure out what's the difference between treating breast cancer 50 years ago and today and and uh, uh what was the prevalence but i i th- i think the answer was we're looking for it and we're finding it today we are 50 years ago they maybe weren't even talking about it
2: yeah i think i think that's a great question a great point uh in the in the culture of breast cancer it has really changed um one as you said we're we're looking for it more um our, our technology is so much better our imaging um, abilities uh, can really detect breast cancer. It's such a small uh, size, and before you would be able to feel it, feel it um, yourself. And then um, I think also talking about it, so the, the family awareness of your family history and uh, sharing those experiences, um, understanding the the genetic component of breast cancer, um, really encourages people to to know their risk, uh, to get screened. And I think we're doing a much better job of detecting it.
0: So our message today is if you have any kind of issue, man or woman, sooner you get in there and get it checked out, the better. Exactly. Okay. Now, we've got a surprise guest for you, Emma. We've got uh, Stephanie Hurt with us, and she's coming on the second half of the show to talk about Beyond the Yellow Ribbon. Uh, she's an outreach coordinator from northern Minnesota. And uh, Stephanie, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Well, thank you. You're joining us on this segment with Emma because you're a two-time survivor.
3: Yes. I know it's crazy how they put me at the right place at the right time at lunch to <laughs> introduce myself as a breast cancer survivor while coincidentally talking about it today.
0: And we talked in the first segment about as you get older, the prevalence or the or the opportunity to have breast cancer increases, but you had it when you were young.
3: Yeah, 24 the first time and 26 the second time.
0: How did you find out at 24 that you had a problem?
3: So essentially I was pregnant, ended up having my son, but I had a lump. And of course, at the age of 24, it was very easily kind of misdiagnosed as, oh, that that's a clogged milk duct. That's mastitis. That's a myriad of other excuses. Um, but I had to stay steadfast in my own advocate, like advocating for myself to make sure that I got down to it. Because at the end of the day, I think everyone has that that gnawing feeling that something's not right. And you have to listen to that inner voice. So I basically had to become a little bit of a a strong advocate for myself to make sure that I, I knew the answer. And then, you know, sadly, it actually ended up turning out to be triple negative breast cancer at the age of 24. So I was facing a lot of challenges at a very young age as a new time mother, as a new breast cancer patient. So I understood it and I understood the struggles, but additionally, no one in my friend bracket had any experience with breast cancer either, so I was educating individuals, my friends, along on my journey.
0: So Emma, this can happen at any age.
3: Yeah, that's an incredible story. You know, we don't we
2: don't usually screen women under under the age of forty. Um, it's not not in regular recommendations, and part of that is because. Um, Generally, mammography is not as effective at that age because of breast density and and changes like you talked about with pregnancy and um, lactation that changes um, the way the breast images and so um, so screening's not as effective but um, so important to be an advocate for yourself um, with your healthcare providers and um, make sure you're talking with your your doctors or um, nurse practitioners and about um, about what your risk factors are and your changes. And I always say breast self-awareness, right? So, um, you know, when you have a change in your breast to to
3: make sure that that's properly evaluated.
0: Absolutely. Stephanie, you had the first one at 24, took care of that, I assume, and then again at 26?
3: Yep, after 24, I underwent chemo and a bilateral mastectomy, which removes your breast and all of your breast tissue. In fact, they leave like a micro layer of the chest wall and a, then at the age of 26, I had a local metastasization, which means that it stayed in the chest wall, which was incredibly rare. But my cancer was super aggressive. Like we knew that at the, at the first diagnosis, we knew that it was super aggressive, but I was always super hopeful. And then when it came back the second time, I, man, talk about lacing up the gloves <laughs> getting ready for battle. And I knew what I was going into, you know, because I'd already gone through intense rounds of chemotherapy which now they don't even offer that regimen anymore um, because it was so intense. So I have to attribute my survival to probably that exact chemo regimen. But um, I knew what I was going into, and I knew that I'd be faced with losing all my hair. And you never realize what kind of effect that has on you when you lose a little bit of your identity, especially as a female.
0: So we're talking about Breast Cancer Awareness Month on Minnesota Military Radio with uh, m o O'Ryan and Stephanie Hurt uh Emma if someone's already had it once do you watch them closer do you, do you have to watch closer do you have to be more aware
2: we do yes a history of breast cancer really does increase your risk for for future breast cancer so we we continue to uh monitor regularly
0: and Stephanie uh, you were talking earlier about navigator can you explain that to me what, uh, Is that someone to help you through the process
3: absolutely so typically you're going to go through that screening process. So whether you start your baseline of your mammograms, so that way it's always really important for you women out there to make sure that you get in at that 40 age mark and make sure that you have a baseline. It's super important, aside from self-examining, self-exams. But once in the unfortunate event that you do get diagnosed with cancer, it's super scary, right? Because you don't know what what your treatment plan is going to look like, what kind of surgeries you're looking at. Where do I go for this appointment? Where do I go for that appointment? And all of the unknowns. So the fact that the VA has now breast navigators is just, it's, it's it's priceless. So you've got someone who's
0: you've maybe got someone been in your corner. Walk you know? right alongside you and help you. And yeah, in. like
3: you can call them up. You can say, "Hey, I, I I think I have this appointment. Where am I going for that?" And it's kind of like having you you have a battle buddy. You have there a you cancer go. battle buddy. And they're going to help you. They're going to help navigate you through that, you know, because it's, you know, those are some troubled waters that you're about to embark on. Yeah. And to have someone that's a strong advocate for you and, you know, helps you through that process is amazing. And the fact that VA has capitalized on that's great. Yeah, we have nurses that
2: are certified and trained specifically in breast care navigation. And there's so many different specialties involved in treating, right, surgical and medical and radiation um, involved in treating breast cancer, and so navigating all those different specialties and in what order do you see which specialists, um, that cancer navigator is that line of communication to to your doctors and, um, and really does provide support, right? So, you know, we know that nurses are essential in, in the healthcare team in providing that support, understanding um, who you are beyond the patient. And... Um, you know, we're fortunate also at the VA to have mental health support along with that um, to walk um, veterans through their cancer journey.
0: Uh, Emma, you're the Women Veterans Program Manager at the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. It's my understanding from, from talking about these issues for years on the show that you can do almost anything to take care of our women veterans except deliver babies. Is that still true?
2: <laughs> I Yes, I think that that's, that's pretty true. We do... Uh, Pretty uh, expansive services for, for women veterans. Um, we are not offering um, prenatal care, labor, delivery.
0: But care. they'll get you out to, to the appropriate. We
2: will. It's part of the, your benefits, exceptional benefit that the VA offers. And we have a maternity care coordinator who's a nurse that, that also similarly like navigates that, um, that part of a woman's life. So um, that's a wonderful the benefit that we don't offer um right at the VA and the other piece of that is the infertility for both men and women um that's that's something else that we um we refer to the community for but um also a benefit through the VA
0: so our best uh, advice for our veterans men or women if you got some kind of issue call out call out to the hospital if you're already out there talk to your primary care talk to someone see if they can help you if they can't help you they'll get you to a okay, civilian doctor that can be. do it yeah Stephanie, uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you about Beyond the Yellow Ribbon coming up in the next couple of segments, but I want to thank you for sharing your story with us today.
3: Absolutely. Thank Any person so that I can advocate for and get them to the doctor and do early diagnosis, that I mean, we're saving lives, that's, and that's what it's about.
0: And Emma, we've got about a minute left. Any final thoughts for our listeners about uh, uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month? Oh
2: well, I would love to just take a moment to promote our event coming up on October 26th. We're holding a breast cancer awareness event at the Minneapolis VA Medical Center. Uh, we'll do walk-in mammogram screening from 9 a.m. to 3:30, and then uh, have an interactive resource fair where we'll have uh, opportunity to meet members of our interdisciplinary breast care team, uh, and then radiologist Radiologist Dr. Damon Shear will be speaking uh, at 11 o'clock about Breast cancer screening um, and updates in breast cancer, um, and that's also available to join virtually. So um, we hope hope many people can join and learn more.
0: And Emma, the last thing that I that I want to hear you say is for the guys: if they've got some kind of pain won't go away, or some kind of lump, they should get out there too.
2: Yeah, pain, uh, certainly pain. A lump, uh, changes in the skin around the breast, uh, discharge from the nipple. Um, you know, breast cancer is not exclusively uh, female, so um, please
3: get checked out. Please talk cancer to your doctor cancer doesn't choose
0: their victims. So for our guys, listen up. You've got some problems. Get out and see the the VA and they'll take care of you no matter what it is. Emma, thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: That was Emma O'Brien, the Women Veterans Program Manager for the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon program for here in Minnesota. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. In a moment, we're going to talk about uh, Uh, The Beyond the Yellow Ribbon organization and uh, an event coming up or some fundraising to help provide meals for Thanksgiving and Christmas for our military. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, here's Interim Commissioner Brad Lindsey.
4: County Veterans Service Officers, or CVSOs, are the first stop or first point of contact for veterans and serve as their personal advocate. Navigating the claims process is challenging, and many veterans often don't know the right questions to ask. That's where CVSOs step in and help veterans access the benefits they may be eligible for. CVSOs do important work. They sit across from men and women who have worn the uniform and served their country. Minnesota is really lucky to have such a strong and passionate group of CVSOs. As a state, we have a history of leading the way when it comes to innovation and forward thinking. Thank you to all our CVSOs who day in and day out serve the veterans of this great state.
0: Thank you, Commissioner Lindsay. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Stephanie Hurd is the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Community Outreach Coordinator for Northern Minnesota. And Stephanie, I want to thank you for joining us on that first half of the show, uh, talking about Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Pretty important stuff.
3: Absolutely. It was, it was truly my pleasure. I, I feel blessed to have been at the right place at the right time.
0: And for me, the light kind of went on. I've always figured that was women's stuff, but guys can get it too. So the guys should be aware of any lumps or pains or those things and go see the doctor. Don't be afraid of those doctors. No, not at all. All right. Now we've got to talk about the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon program. It's been around Minnesota, started here in Minnesota many years ago. And, and uh, can you tell us a little bit about what is the mission of Beyond the Yellow Ribbon?
3: The mission of the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon is to establish and sustain a comprehensive community and corporate support network that connects and co- coordinates agencies, organizations, and resources to meet the needs of Minnesota military veterans, service members, and their families of all military branches.
0: And, of course, this started here in Minnesota, and it started after 9-11-2001. We were starting to send people on deployments all over the world, and, and while they were gone, we were finding that their families needed some support, needed some help, And Beyond the Yellow Ribbon started right here in Minnesota. Yeah, actually
3: started in Farmington. Well, that's up for debate once you start asking the community networks on who the first one was.
0: (laughs) We'll just accept Farmington for now.
3: (laughs) Between Farmington
0: and Hugo. and and, Well, and Hugo is still leading the pack for uh, doing more work than almost anybody. Our friend Chuck Haas out out there and and, uh, all of the communities and everybody in uh, Washington County, they ship, uh, he says, uh, I don't know how many, the equivalent of, 3 or 4 C130s full of boxes to our yep. deployed uh, soldiers and airmen and uh, just things like uh, uh, not it, not only candy but some of its cleanliness, uh, hygiene items some of those types Oh for of things.
3: sure definitely if there's a need overseas he's he's the champion of that but it's crazy when you ask him how many pounds He's delivered it and when it goes to tons, you know it's a pretty serious amount over the years. I could fill up three C
0: one hundred thirties with all the stuff we sent and of course he gets all kinds of nice thank you letters from everybody all oh, over the yes. world and, and so that's part of what's happened. But when Beyond the Yellow Urban first started, it was it was for the military families who are left behind, the spouse is left behind. Maybe sometimes they needed help shoveling the snow, yep. mowing the lawn.
3: Typically during the deployment cycle. The
0: deployment, maybe just a cup of coffee with the mom that was home with the kids. Absolutely. And of course, today, even worse, the, the husband could be home with the kids while the mother is deployed. I don't think, you know, glad that didn't happen at my age. Right. I couldn't do that.
3: You know, times have changed a little bit. Uh, I think it's 25% of our veterans are females right now.
0: That's right, and uh, it scares me to death to think back about staying home with two kids and having my wife to plaque, and I'm an old guy. I'm glad I didn't have to go through <laughs> that, but it happens today. Now, you are the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Community Outreach Coordinator for Northern Minnesota, so you're taking care of all the Iron Rangers and everybody up at Camp Ripley. And... All
3: of them. In fact, my office is out of Camp Ripley.
0: Well, it's so, a pretty nice place. Uh, it is. Great views. <laughs> clean air. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
3: I joke around that I work at the largest bed and breakfast in the state of Minnesota.
0: Yeah, and uh, the general used to tell us that it's like a small town. It is.
3: It absolutely is. It's You've like a t- gated community.
0: Gated community. He's got all kinds of people coming and going. He's got to take care of the sewer and the water and the, the groceries. and When water you have your own water and, towers. Yeah, you got to take care of everything. <laughs> so you're lucky to have a nice place to live Oh,
3: yeah, I, absolutely. I en- I thoroughly enjoy going through those gates every day to
0: work. We're talking with Stephanie Hurt, who's the Beyond Yellow Ribbon Community Coordinator for Northern Minnesota at Minnesota Military Radio. So we know who you are, where your office is. What do you do? Well, essentially, I have Tough help. question?
3: It is. You know, you're putting me on the spot over here. But essentially what I do is I work to help each individual community be successful in their mission. So really, I work for them. And they work for the service members, veterans, and their families. So at the end of the day, we all work for service members, veterans, and their families. But I help them be six, be successful in their mission.
0: So for over the more than the last decade, there's hundreds of communities. There are I think somewhere around seventy or eighty uh, corporations. Yep. Uh, there's some counties. There's all kinds of entities that have become part of the Yellow Ribbon become a network part of the Yellow Ribbon Network, and so. You help coordinate their efforts. You help them help yep. each other.
3: And then, and then much like our mission, we do some synchronizing of resources. We try and come together, and especially if there's a statewide initiative or something that we've noticed um, that is affecting our veteran population, that we try and, and be a lending hand to that. Um, so, you know, that is kind of the blessing of the Beyond the Yellow Ribbons. And and not only that, but they get to do unique things within their community that fits into their community
0: so are the communities and the companies learning how to work together to achieve goals?
3: Yes, actually that has been one of Miss um, Taylor Christoph Jones is our company outreach coordinator and her and I started essentially at the same time, so we've been really able to come in with fresh eyes and connect and really rejuvenate the program. I it was doing great before, but it's kind of nice to be able to come in with a fresh team, fresh ideas, really pull together and and kind of you know, move move the engine along.
0: Now I understand. Uh, at least you used to have a uh, couple times a year, you'd bring together the the companies and the in the communities for a, a, a spring and fall seminar, so to speak, yep. and, and trade best practices. Is that still happening?
3: Yes, it's called joining community forces. And in the year twenty twenty four, we are hoping to launch an actual merger where both the corporations and the communities are all underneath one roof.
0: Now, I think I spoke at one of those uh, last year, the year before. And you look up and down, and, and you've got U.S. Bank, you've got Wells Fargo, you've got the sporting goods team, sports teams in in town. You've got all of these. Uh, you name the name of the of the big companies and small companies mm-hmm. that have gone through a process to become Yellow Ribbon. Can you give us about a minute on that process?
3: Um, so they typically come up with a steering committee, and they work in the benefit of those service members and their veterans to understand them. And some of that even goes to translating their military resume, so to say, over into the civilian side, understanding that typically most sergeants have leadership qualities right, that they've achieved during their military time that does translate over into the civilian side and just educating the companies and corporations that what their skill sets are and how to put them into that workforce. And then working with them on gap coverage pay, which has been super substantial help to the service members. So that way, if they are deployed and say they make more money at their civilian job than they would on a deployment, that corporation has agreed to pay that gap coverage. The difference. The difference.
0: So that you're whole at the end of the day.
3: So you didn't lose any money supporting our country.
0: Now, a big part of the mission of the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon is make sure that the families that are left behind, they're sacrificing too while the, while the soldiers Absolutely. and airmen are gone, have resources and have someone to go to if they need some help.
3: Absolutely. You know, they say that the best soldiers are the, the ones that have soldiers standing behind them. The support structure that they have at home makes them successful.
0: So we've got the communities, we've got individuals, we've got companies, and of course, there's a lot of organizations out there like the MMFF and some others that provide some financial emergency assistance, those type of things, and it's your business to make sure you know everybody that's out there so that when the when the family comes and says, I need help, yep, you know where to go to.
3: Yep, all about that synchronization of resources and pulling together and, you know, We work as a team. Everyone, we invite everyone to the table. And again, we we work for those service members, veterans, and their families. That's who we support.
0: And I bet you work closely with the county veteran service officers as well.
3: We'd be lost without them.
0: First place to go because they make it their business to know all the resources.
3: Right. So you've got your soldier and family readiness specialists and our CVSOs, the county veteran service officers that are some of our greatest partners.
0: Stephanie, we're going to have to take a short break. When we come back, we've got a special guest in the studio, and we're going to talk about a fundraising event to to help uh, feed some uh, military families for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm speaking with uh, Stephanie Hurt, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Community Outreach Coordinator for Northern Minnesota and Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been speaking to Stephanie Hurt, who's the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Community Outreach Coordinator for Northern Minnesota And Stephanie, we've talked all about uh, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, what you're doing, all the people are involved. And we want to get to one organization now that's going to do some fun stuff for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And you've got a special guest you brought with you. Would, Would you like to introduce him?
3: Yeah, I would like to introduce everyone to Todd King with Meals from the Heart.
0: Hi, thanks uh, Thanks for inviting me. Tom, well, or Todd, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Can you tell us a little
5: bit? Meals from the Heart sounds like a good name. What do you do? Uh, uh, yeah, Meals from the Heart uh, has been around since uh, 2014. Um, we facilitate uh, meal packing events with communities and companies um, and then uh, donate those meals to area food shelves and food banks. Um, that's what we did pre-pandemic. Um, post-pandemic, we had to shift a little bit. Uh, came up with a program we called our Food Box, Food Bag Program, um, and that's how uh, we got introduced to you guys.
0: And uh, we specifically want to talk about what you've been doing the last few years to help our military families.
5: Yeah, so uh, in uh, early 2021, uh, we had a pilot program with Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, um, uh, put together about 200 boxes and bags of food, um, which were an intentional selection of groceries uh, that were then given to military families, um, we went from that pilot program into a Thanksgiving program, uh, which was extremely popular. We uh, produced about four hundred bags for Thanksgiving um, and distributed those to various armories with volunteers um, and then did the same thing for christmas
0: very good now stephanie we just got we just went through a two year pandemic or more, and the uh, military 's been out there doing overtime duty here in Minnesota and federal missions and Uh, inflation has hit hard. Yeah. Can I make the assumption that some of our lower-ranked families, are uh, their budgets are a little bit tight and sometimes they have a little food insecurity?
3: So according to a study by the Second Harvest Heartland, one in six of our Minnesota neighbors is food insecure. Now taking that one step further, Feeding America released a study that one in four service members are struggling with food insecurity in Minnesota.
0: Hard to believe in 2023 that we've got families in general, and specifically military Ones families, that
3: are serving our country.
0: Serving our country, risking their lives, sacrificing, even their families sacrificing, and they don't have enough food.
3: Yeah, that that it, it is a concern, right? So if it's a national issue, then it certainly is a Minnesota issue.
0: So you've been at your business to find out where the food banks are and where the resources are. Absolutely. And, and then here's a new resource for you, which is uh, uh, an outfit that can help you put together some Uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas boxes to take care, take a little bit of the load off. Right. Every
3: every service member deserves to have a good Thanksgiving. Like that's what it's all about is giving thanks and coming together. And it's even better when you get to do it over good food. And we were able to partner with Thomson Reuters who has um, traditionally given us the turkeys, and this year they've committed to giving our service members turkeys again. So it only made sense to give them the turkey, but then to double down and make sure that they got the entire traditional Thanksgiving meal.
0: All the fixings. Yes. Todd, that's where you come in, and uh, you're uh, on a mission now this year to take care of Thanksgiving and Christmas for... I'm sure more than just our military families, but you're doing the military families again.
5: Yes, that's right. Um, and uh, we did we did write one grant um, to help us um, with some of our funding. But um, our goal is, is to um, raise $70,000 so that we can uh, put together about 1,500 food boxes and food bags throughout the year. So not only Thanksgiving and Christmas, but also um, throughout the year.
3: So I can tell you that the sign-up for these meals as of Monday – had a hundred and sixty individuals already signed up, and they have three weeks left to sign up.
0: So we've got a long ways to go. If our listeners are interested in helping uh, to contribute towards the cause, where do they go, Todd?
5: So uh, we we put together a website, um, helping Minnesota, dot uh, org um, is a is the website, and they can go on and um, donate there.
0: So the funds raised from that website specifically go for Thanksgiving and Christmas boxes for this year? That is correct. Okay, and that's helpmnheroes.org. Correct. And you're only 160 into, what, 410? Is that what you said?
5: 410 is what we did in 2021. It it, it really depends on the funding. Um, you know, I think that there's a tremendous amount of demand out there. As as uh, Stephanie said, one in four Minnesota military families is food insecure. So I'm, I'm sure there's uh, a lot of demand, and, um, you know, we'll do our very best to raise the funds um, that we can put together and, and feed as many folks as possible.
0: Todd, I hope you're successful at that. And once again, uh, go to helpmnheroes.org. Stephanie, I assume Beyond the Yellow Ribbon is is uh, compiling a list of those military families that want to participate. Yep. And so you're kind of directing this activity and making sure that all of our military families have a nice uh, holiday. Yes. At least twice between now and the end of the year. Yes. All right. That's the goal. Very good. Todd, thanks for joining us today. And Stephanie, you got about 30 seconds left. Any final thoughts about uh, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon for northern Minnesota?
3: Absolutely. In fact, this goes for the entire state. I would encourage anyone that is struggling with food insecurities to visit our Beyond the Yellow Ribbon company partner, the University of Minnesota Extension. They have a plethora, I counted over 30 food insecurity resources on their website, and I would encourage anyone to go there and check it out. They also have a 14-day meal plan with a grocery list and recipes to make food to help extend your food budget. And additionally, with the Thanksgiving meal, they actually have recipe plans to extend your Thanksgiving leftovers into more meals.
0: Very good, Stephanie. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the first half of the show and sharing your story with us. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you, sir. That was Stephanie Hurt from Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Community, uh, Outreach Coordinator for Northern Minnesota, and Todd King, Meals for the Heart. Joining me now is Command Chief Master Sergeant Lisa Erickson, who is the Senior Enlisted Leader of the Minnesota National Guard on behalf of the Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Command Chief, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio.
6: Hey, thanks for having me today, Tom. Happy to be back.
0: Chief, uh, you know, we think about the Minnesota National Guard and most people don't think that uh, every year there's a certain number of people that retire. Uh, and and every year there's a certain number of people that decide. Well, okay, four years or six years has been enough. I'm not going to stay for 20. That means you got to put some new people in at the bottom every single year just to stay even. Yes. And how are we doing?
6: Well, happy to report that both the Minnesota Army National Guard and the Minnesota Air National Guard met their mission. Now, what that means is the Army Guard recruiters, uh, they were missioned to put in 1,200 new soldiers, and they ended the year with 1,234. So they outshot their goal by 234. Along those lines, the Minnesota Air National Guard put in 167 new airmen into both air wings, and they ended their end strength at a 100.99% end strength. And now we know... For all these future missions and all these things, we have got to keep our wings and our um, our battalions, all that to their highest strength so that we can get the missions that we're out there trying to, to get. So we know this 100.99% end strength for the air was very, very, very important for the uh, C-130J awarding that we just received uh, at the 133rd Airlift Wing. So, yeah, it's a win, and the Army Guard keeps pushing. Like, they... They're still waiting to find out how they ended up with end strength because it's a different math problem. But they met their goal, and that's the biggest thing. In this new recruiting environment, it is amazing to hear that the Minnesota National Guard, both Army and Air, met their goal. So amen to that.
0: Well, I know active duty is struggling to keep up with that, so we'll have to keep them out of Minnesota so they don't get in the way. Yeah. And uh, particularly important, we're getting those suit new c one thirty js and that means the the mission for the one thirty third airlift wing is probably another twenty or thirty years
6: yep they just bought themselves another another set of probably two or three decades, so bring your young people they're going to be there for a long time we need we need new uh new maintainers to, uh, young maintainers to take on this new aircraft, so yeah
0: all the way up to We're the to uh, guys that drive those things we need like, pilots into the pilots there yeah, you go. Even to
6: the pilots
0: yep. <laughs> Chief, uh, I know you've been traveling a lot lately. Is there a lot of action going on with the uh, state partnership program, especially since Norway stepped up to be a full partner?
6: Well, yes, we've been traveling there, and they've been coming here. So two weeks back, the TAG and I were over in North Macedonia for the Chief of Defense Adriatic 5 uh, conference. So we were able to go over there and meet with our Croatian Chief of Defense and uh, the C-cell my counterpart over there for a few days in North Macedonia. That was great. As soon as we got back, we had the Prime Minister of Norway uh, here. We also had the uh, Chief of Defense. We're having. We have the Minister of Defense coming from Croatia, and we had just last week we had the Norwegian Army Land Force Commander, Major General. Uh, what did I write it down here? Major General Lervik from Norway was here. So. Now that we've become partners, they all want to come over and visit, and we love to have them. So it's, it's, it's a win all the time. So, yeah, it was great. Chief, great to have them and great to keep hosting them throughout the year. And, you know, we'll be heading over, doing some uh, things with additional training with Norway, too. There, we're just researching ways that we can all be a part of that mission as well, both air and Army.
0: Chief, with everything going on in Ukraine, it's got to be more and more important to have a high state of readiness for both Norway and Croatia.
6: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And just to be at the table talking with them, hearing what it's like for them. I mean, they're much closer to the fight than we are. But, you know, we're just there to talk about ideas. And uh, we talked when I was was over there in North Macedonia, we spoke a lot about cyber. So there's a lot of concern about information warfare at that level as well. And believe it or not, they have just as many problems with social media as we do and what is artificial intelligence and what isn't. And so it was a really good conversation we had amongst the C-cells there.
0: Chief, uh, glad to have you back in St. Paul for a change. Uh, we're out of time for today, but uh, thanks for joining us.
6: Absolutely. Until next time.
0: Yes, ma'am. That was Command Chief Master Sergeant Lisa Erickson, uh, the Senior Enlisted Leader for the Minnesota National Guard on Minnesota Military Radio. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week. M. O'Brien from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System, Todd King, Stephanie Hurt from Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, Uh, Command Chief Master Sergeant Lisa Erickson, Interim Commissioner Brad Lindsay from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week as we talk about our state veteran cemeteries and learn about a unique unit of the Minnesota National Guard. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this
1: week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, Media, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.